a long time ago. It's the ship that made the castle run in less than 12 parts and the great disturbance of the force. I told you she would never partially betray the rebellion. That's no move. Caught in a trap and it's pulling us in. Long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, there exists a state of cosmic civil war. A brave alliance of underground freedom fighters has challenged the tyranny and oppression of the awesome Galactic Empire. This is their story. Stan Lee presents Star Wars, the greatest space fantasy of all. Archie Goodwin, writer-editor. Carmine Infantino and Jean Day artists. Joe Rosen, letterer. Ben Sean, colorist. Jim Shooter, consulting editor. Continuing the saga begun in the film by George Lucas. Siege at Yavin. Dawn on the fourth moon. The fighters shriek down into still surface mists. Hanging above the jungle, the leech ship energy cannon found. And a rebel lookout station gives its last warning. And thus begins our latest issue, number 25 of Star Wars, with a publication date of April 1979. After their escape from the wheel, Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker arrive at Centaurus to trade in their sporty ship for a more practical and less traceable ship. As they leave the planet, they discover that the house of Taggy, mining explorer, is on its way to Yavin. Knowing the Taggy's ties with the Empire and fearing for the security of the rebel base on Yavin 4, they follow them and investigate further. They discover that the mining explorer is actually transporting Imperial TIE fighters to the planet of Yavin and hiding the fighters in the thick gas giant. Luke and Leia realize that this can only mean danger for the rebel base nearby and rush to alert them, but they are intercepted by an Imperial patrol. This latest installation of our Star Wars Legends series is a very cool premise. The writers are being allowed to cover a piece in history that was known not to be covered in the upcoming movie, Empire Strikes Back. They chose to, this being Arch Goodwin, to go back to the siege at Yavin what would actually drive the rebels out of their Yavin base, the one that they successfully had launched the destruction of the Death Star from. We open up with some wonderful Carmine Infantino scenery pieces. I have really been impressed with everything that Carmine has done as it relates to the spaceship battles. He also does a fantastic job with scenery and scenescapes. And to see the rebel base here on Yavin drawn out, the high fighters going up there to 
do battle with the X-Wings and the launching of all of the rebel craft and those X-Wings really going after those TIE fighters as they're coming down on them. And to actually then see the rebels win, launch the rest of their ships out and vacate the Avon base. But it would come at a huge, huge cost. We have some old friends from A New Hope that show up here. We have our general there, General Dodonna, and he's explaining what's going on here. And if you remember, General Dodonna was the one who described what they would have to do going down the trench and then launching of those photon torpedoes. Uh, into the Death Star in order to blow it up. So he's back again, and he's describing here how mysteriously all these TIE fighters keep showing up and how they have really done quite a bit of damage to the X-Wings and other ships in the Armada that they're trying to launch off of Yavin to then go find a new rebel base. We then turn to Luke and Leia, and we get our first glimpse into used car salesman culture as it relates to the Star Wars world. We are introduced to Jorman Thode, the planet's largest dealer in used Starcraft. And this guy is quite the piece of work. Uh, Luke and Leia trade in their cruising ship, their luxury cruising ship that they had absconded with when they were on the ring and had successfully then uh, made their way out of harm's way. They were with Han Solo on the Millennium Falcon at one point, uh, but then they felt, okay, look, we we need to break up here just so it'll be more difficult for uh, the Imperials to trace us. So that's the explanation that's given. That's why Luke and Leia are here. It's a little bit of a disjointed thing because in our last story, we actually had them on the Millennium Falcon. They were taking care of shooting down those ships that had entered into that asteroid field, if you'll remember. And then we had that flashback story of that early Obi-Wan tale. So here we cut into Luke and Leia getting a new ship. Okay, fine. So, you know, willing suspension disbelief. There, There's not a good tie in here, but we'll roll with it. So Luke and Leia get their new ship and they're off. So once they leave there, they are on their way and figure out that, hey, let's head towards Yavin. Let's meet back up at the Rebel base. Let's see what's going on. So that's where they start to go. But they quickly find out that they are in trouble. They figure that there is another ship, a large ship, that's on its way. Meanwhile, Within the big commercial craft Luke and Leia pursue, we meet none other than our rival here, the antagonist for this piece. And that is coming from the house of Taggy. And this character is quite interesting. He is vying for the attention of the Emperor. Okay, this is the first I've seen something like this in Star Wars comics. So this is good. So the multiple 
apprentices and the Sith and all that sort of stuff would end up coming in later. But this is at least an attempt by a writer here, Narch Goodwin, to try to create a rival for Darth Vader. And Darth Vader had actually blinded this particular Baron here, Baron Taggy. And he is training to do battle in anticipation of meeting up with Darth Vader eventually. His goal here is while Darth Vader is trying to seek out all of the rebels that destroyed the Death Star and hunt them down. Baron Taggy thinks this is a foolhardy thing. And that really what they should be concentrating on is eliminating the rebels, period. And he is doing this by the manufacturing of TIE fighters and then bringing these TIE fighters into Yavin to disrupt the rebels and eliminate as many of them as possible. So Luke and Leia end up following Baron Taggy's large ship that he has these TIE fighters on. And they all end up coming out of hyperspace in a minefield. And this is absolutely brutal. So Luke and Leia man the guns on their new ship. Luke in the front, Leia, guns in the back, and they just start blowing up mines in order to survive. What's quite amusing about this is that unbeknownst to Archie Goodwin, I'm certain, because George Lucas was pretty tight-lipped with regard to his scripting for Star Wars, you have this continuation of a budding romance between Leia and Luke, or maybe even perhaps a love triangle between Han, Luke, and Leia. But in this one, you actually have a kiss from Princess Leia to Luke saying, thanks, flyboy. And then the timely interruption by C-3PO saying, our princess, Master Luke, R2 and I have all damage under control. But he reports all scanning and tracking equipment have gone berserk. No wonder. We're drifting into Yavin's gravitational field. The gases it's made of create constant storms at atmospheric tricks this close. It's like one huge natural jamming device. And then they see the Baron ship. And they decide to land on the surface and observe what's going on with the Baron's ship. And they quickly discover the deployment of all these TIE fighters. A TIE fighter formation and headed straight for the surface of Yavin. That suicide princess flying blindly into those gases. Instruments unable to work. They'll, they'll never come up again. And then we're revealed, and this is some really cool artwork by Carmen Infantino, of the swirling, almost hurricane-like formation that happens. A tropospheric gases swirl madly at hurricane force. And as with any hurricane, a calm eye opens at its center. And that's where these TIE fighters decide to take the path down to the planet's surface. And Luke and Leia quickly get back on their ship. And they know they have to warn the rebels as to what's happening. But unfortunately, they are disabled. It's gone now. That initial hit just cost us an engine. And our communication system, sir, calling for aid is now impossible, not unlike the odds on our survival. Next issue, 
Doom Mission. Great, great installment. I absolutely love this story and picking everything back up. I think it's great that you had Archie Goodwin tackling now this CG Yavin and trying to expand on the mythos here of Star Wars. The art, it's Carmen Infantino. He's a legend. I still will have issues with how he's portraying Luke and Leia stylistically, but that's okay. I think that's a taste thing, vice a proficiency thing. I mean, this is Carmine Infantino. So they're drawn well, but they just don't look like Luke and Leia, particularly the ones that were drawn in the first 10 comics. But that's, again, you're going to have artists that bring their own style to the table, and indeed, Carmine is providing that. Where he shines is in the detail of the ships. Exquisite. The action scenes in space, fantastic. The portrayal of the rebel base, outstanding. Just just beautiful attention to detail and loved every moment of that. And with that, kids, we hope that you will continue along with us on our monthly journey long time ago. Obi-Wan, take us out. Your destiny lies above the different parts of mine. This Marvel Legends comic book series is dedicated in loving memory of Charles Lippincott, who George Lucas hired in late 1975 to join the first Star Wars production as Vice President of Advertising, Publicity, Promotion, and Merchandising. To quote George, Charlie was one of the founding pillars of the Star Wars films and phenomenon. He began in earnest the concept of licensing motion pictures at a time when only other company doing so was Disney. Charlie was the one who said early on that we can make this work and was the first person to both develop Star Wars licensing and engage with the fans. He had insights into marketing and public relations that were truly unparalleled and prime example of that is San Diego Comic-Con today. Charlie is widely credited for setting the trajectory of Star Wars fandom with his grassroots-style convention presentations beginning in 1976, well before the release of the first film. Those early appearances included Mark Hamill, who accompanied Charlie on a promotional tour for Star Wars, this barnstorming of conventions celebrating science fiction, fantasy, and comic books resulted in movie theaters welcoming large crowds of fans on Star Wars opening day, due in large part to Charlie's early promotional efforts. In addition, Charlie sought out the very first comic book and toy deals with Marvel and Kenner, now Hasbro, respectively. Two iconic legacies that continue to this day. Thank you, Charlie, for Star Wars comics becoming a reality. And that's what this Legends series is all about. The Force will be with him always.